Jason, how's it going? That's better. Hold on, I got okay. Sorry, I was just uh, hitting record right off the bat to make sure she's rolling. Yeah, that's fine. What's up, man? How's it going? It's going great, guys. Oh, awesome. Yeah. How's it going with you guys? Good. Pretty, pretty sick. <laughs> we're we're pretty excited about this. So yeah, it's still kind of. Still yeah, I listened. Uh, yes, I listened to um, Eric from Jerome Streams episode before. Before I did this, and I I saw that he got the questions beforehand. Oh yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. We did send them to him. Oh, I, okay, okay. We, I see we, how it is. We've. Uh... I see how it is, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you did, did? Did you ask for the questions beforehand? No, we, no. Did no, he? No, he. No, he didn't. So okay. I'll admit no, this is. Tell him, Rob. All right, we used to send them beforehand. <laughs> um, because I want people to feel slightly prepared about what we're asking, just uh-huh. slightly, right? Like it's I want it unscripted, pretty live show feel. But I had a few bands recently where I sent them the cue list, and then they just didn't answer me back, and I was like, "Oh well, fuck you then." So <laughs> it's like I don't know. I think I took it too personally, and I don't send a cue list unless they ask. Now we have it; we could have yeah. gladly I, sent it to you. I, I thought it was like that. Uh, have you seen that film Quiz Show where? He gets snuck all the answers and wins. Like uh, it's the uh... no, I don't think I have. Oh, okay, that's well the... check it. Well check it out because that's what you guys did with Eric. All right, we we yeah we quiz showed Eric, <laughs> but not you. We we not set me. you up to fail actually. Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. They, the, right. the, the ugly the ugly guy gets to win and the handsome guy has to fail. So yeah, it's it's an 80, I'm sorry, Jason. It's an '80s movie. <laughs> it's not from the 80s is it no i'm just saying we're we're making an 80s film and that's like you know how like that's all right like the bully is kind of like has to be slightly uglier like who was it in (laughs) uh in the 80s version of uh the great gatsby like the guy who plays like the narrator can't be as hot as handsome as robert redford he can't be not allowed well good luck good luck finding somebody who can be so that's a that's a tough one paul newman but you can't get paul newman to no. Anyway, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. It's well, a real Sophie's Sophie's choice between those two guys. I was going to ask if you had heard the podcast, um, just like casually. So if you have, we do ask some of the same questions, so you do have some idea of what we're getting into. If you, it's totally to fine. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting to uh, get the questions. I um, I I'm not like a. I'm not a big. I'm not a big podcast listener because I'm an old man. So I listen to like audiobooks and stuff, but, um, but I, I did like, I do like to know who I'm talking to and if it's a, if, if it's a thing worth doing and I, I enjoyed your, your conversation with Eric. So. Oh, thank um, you so much. Yeah, it was very yeah. good. Very good. Wow. Super appreciate that. I also don't listen to podcasts despite uh, founding one and hosting one every other week. Right. <laughs> so. Um. We listened to, but we did listen to your podcast in preparation. We did. I did really enjoy your episodes. I think I listened oh. to one with um, your writer friend the first episode. That dude, oh, S- Sam Lipside. Yeah, he's a yeah. he's a he's a legitimate genius, man. He's uh he's one of the funniest people I know on the face of the earth. I love him. His books yeah. are fantastic. Yeah, he's an amazing guy. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go see if I can check some out because that was just, I I would and also. Not to keep bringing up audiobooks, but he reads his own books, and it's a great way to get into it because the way he you can hear the humor 
it much better, I think, when you hear him read it himself. It's it's great. Okay, very cool. All right. Um, so do we want to break the intro, Rob? Or how do we want to get Yeah, set fuck up? it. I guess I guess we'll kick into it. Ladies and gentlemen, trans and non-binary punks of all ages and denominations, welcome back to another very special episode of Not Just a Phase. Thank you for being here with us on this crazy planet we call Earth. If you're new here, check us out online at notjustaphase.net. We're on Instagram at notjustaphase worldwide, and we have a link tree in our Instagram bio there, and it shows all of our platforms and playlists and our new Patreon for literally a dollar a month. I think it's $2 American, actually, to be honest. Uh, but you could help fund the expansion of this brand for the show, the blog, and all of that money will go towards bigger, better content that we want to make for you. So today is an insanely special episode. And joining me to co-host is our main journalist, PodMic MC, tech department, HR department, and the department head of departmentalizing the chaos from the progress and not just a phase. <laughs> Elias Amini is on the mic again with me. And I know he's in just as much disbelief as I am because we have a very special, I believe this will be our 100th episode today. Our guest today has many creative outlets and has played in many bands such as Violent Bullshit, Panthers, Cheeseburger, All I Ask, and Ritual Mess. He's also a stand-up comedian. He's been a journalist for Vice. He's the host of 24-hour video podcast, but probably most well-known in these circles as the vocalist for the iconic band known as Orchid. This is Jason Green, and you are listening to New Jersey versus Valhalla by Orchid on Not Just a Phase podcast.
<laughs> All right, I'll say it again one more time for me slowly. <laughs> okay. No, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh okay. I was like, right. <laughs> okay. Rob is a Rob's a bit of a weirdo. I don't know if you remember that much from Eric's episode. But... Wow. Well, that that we have in common, so that's fine. <laughs> oh, perfect, perfect. All right, cool. So before we jump straight into music, I want to know what do you do in your free time outside of music? I mean, the stand-up podcasting. Is there is there any free time left after all that? Any hobbies and passions that are keeping you going? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've recently relocated to Toronto, Ontario, Canada. That's where my wife. Yeah. Yeah. That's where my wife is from. Uh, it's where her family is. And, um, yeah, so I, I moved up here a little less than a year ago and, um, yeah. So a lot of the stuff that I was the, the standup, which I was doing a lot in New York, um, you know, I haven't quite rebooted here in Canada. Um, I haven't really started a new, I, I have a musical project that I'm working on, but nothing located here. Um, uh, so my hobbies here or what my hobbies have kind of always been is that I'm a, I'm a big, I love to read and I love to watch films. And uh, that's sort of like the two, my two main, I don't, are those even hobbies? I guess it's a hobby. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, and I'm opening, uh, I'm opening a bar here in Toronto. So, and that's my work that I'm doing. That's kind of taking, taking over at the moment. Very cool. I did not know that. Um, I live just like an hour outside of Toronto. So, oh really? Oh, I'm firing my Ham- research. Are you in department. Hamilton? No, God, no. Oh, okay. Stab right. Central. No, no, no. I'm just that's the only I'm place. That's the only place I know outside of Toronto. So. That's yeah. Most people know Toronto and Hamilton, and that would be it. I'm like 20 yeah. minutes away from Hamilton, 25, 30, depending on traffic. Okay, all right. But an hour away from Toronto, and then an hour to get into Toronto, because once you hit Toronto, there's an hour of traffic to get into Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to move to a place with no traffic after living in New York. I had to keep some things normal, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, it must be like shell shock to go from New York to Toronto. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to get into it too much. I, it, it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's a very different pace of living. I lived in New York for more than half my life, New York city, that is Brooklyn specifically. Um, and it's very different. When I first moved here, I couldn't sleep because it was so quiet was a big part of it. There's a lot of positives. New York is a city that actively wants you to leave it at every moment. I mean, it's like, get out of here. No one wants you here. Yeah. And it's, and it's very aggressive. And Toronto is not that aggressive. It's uh, like we have a yard, we have trees. I'm on the second floor of a home. What is that all about? Um, I can park in front of where I live. Uh, it doesn't smell like urine all the time. It's easy to get around. Like there's lots of positives, but then there's lots of you know. It's but it, there there's something that New York is like deeply, deeply in my bones, and I think it'll be something I never fully shake. So. Yeah, it's it's it is different, and and trying to uh, make new friends as a forty five year old man is a is a real nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine that must be uh yeah. How yeah. do you do that at a bar? Just like, hey, what's going on? Like, who the fuck are you? Like, I haven't done it yet, but someone suggested oh, okay. an app. That someone suggested an app to me where older men can meet other older men for friendship. Grinder, and I thought. 
I thought I might no, no for friendship. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So I, you know, I thought I might walk into Lake Ontario instead of doing that. So <laughs> <laughs> you could do a want ad in the paper. I feel like that maybe would, you know, in this day and age, I feel like that'll hit a target audience. I don't know if it's the one you want, but it definitely hit one. Yeah, the the paper. By the way, what's that? Yeah, right. I don't know. Does Toronto even have a paper anymore? I mean, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Yeah, they totally, they totally do. There's, there's Toronto there's Sun, one. right? And then it's, it's just the the difference between like CBC and NPR. It's it's you know it's a vast void, guys. It's a very different worlds. <laughs> very different world. It's a pretty pretty pop and uh, punk scene and hardcore scene around Ontario. So you can always find friends there. But I was going to ask about your local scene, and I guess you know now we'll just do the New York thing. Like, you got any favorite bands out there that you'd want to shout out, shine a light on? Oh my god! Like young bands, <laughs> I have a thing. You know, honestly, I have a thing about this. Okay. Where I do, I listen to a lot of, I do listen to new stuff, and I still listen to heavy music a lot. Um, but I listen to all kinds of things. And I, I just have this feeling that like if you over if you're over 40, your opinion about music should not it like no one should listen to me about what I listen to or care about. Well, you we know, on the show, so this <laughs> <laughs> uh, come from you in some form. Before. Yeah, I just like I don't know. I just I, and like and I always feel like I honestly because when I listen to like hardcore people that I was a fan of older than me answer this question. I'm always like, what you like, what? you like that pant? Like, you know, and it always, I feel like it, it, it degrades. It's going to degrade my brand if I reveal, <laughs> but I would say like the thing, the, the thing, the things <laughs> that I feel like comfortable list saying that I listen to, there is a, like, there is a Hamilton band called Grieber that I like. Is it Grieber? Graber? It's a two piece metal band that I think is so fucking sick. Um, uh, I listen to a lot of metal is a big part of it. So I really like blood incantation and um, witch vomit. And it sounds like I'm making up names, but uh, um, that, I mean, that's, that's metal, metal for you. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I like a lot of that. I like a lot of that stuff. Um, and I like a lot of the, I mean, I like a lot of the, the young hardcore stuff that all the kids are loving you know yeah oh, but yeah. i don't, I don't want to seem like uh i don't want to seem like a weird old loser so i'm not going to say any names um That's i'm trying to think fair. if there's like some some secret gem that i i like oh you know what band i like and i don't i haven't investigated their politics very much so I, i'm a little worried about saying it but there's a band called um uh <laughs> fuck I, i'm not gonna conservative milita- military uh do you know what i'm talking about yes old, um Fuck, I just saw their name recently too. Hold on. Are you talking about Regional Justice Center? No, 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 no. no, no they're called no. Conservative Military Family Image. Or something like that. Image, something like that. Image. I'm fucking this fuck up because I actually was like, I, I I've been listening to this record and I have not um I'm gonna tell you what it is. I'm looking it up on Spotify like a total loser. Conservative oh, conservative military image. I like that. I, I like that record a lot. Um Okay. There's they have a real vibe. I'm not sure. I'm worried that their politics are dubious. They might be awesome too. I have no idea. It could be very tongue in cheek. Never know. Well, I like I love the name and they look like cool guys and they made a t-shirt that I like. And so that's all you need in hardcore, really. (laughs) I haven't checked them out yet, but solid opinion. 
I also I feel that. that <laughs> I can't believe I, that was the only thing I named out of all this. <laughs> I literally I was listening to it today, so that's why it's kind of a, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't feel like anyone should listen to my opinion or Elias's opinion on music either, even though we host the podcast. So I, I get where you're coming from in that. Yeah, um, it's music is such a it's like I think most art and culture, it's such an arbitrary thing and it's such a personal experience. And it's, you know, it's nice when you there's like a person you trust whose taste you trust tell you tells you something. But, you know, yeah. I don't know. No, I know. What you mean. I'm also just really annoying. So I don't think anyone would really do that. I feel that way about myself that I have I have like dubious taste to begin with. So why would yeah. you follow me? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. If I think of if I think of something though, I'm gonna I'm gonna yell it out. By the way, yeah, because yeah, I, I was, was going to ask you just if there was one band that you think deserved a spotlight from any scene, what would that band be? So if that pops into your brain, oh oh oh, oh, it's quick. No, no, but I mean, no, I have so cool. many. I have so many friends that make music um, that you know isn't hardcore music. Uh, yeah, any band, any genre. Uh, well, I really, I'm, um, uh, Sin Kane has a new record coming out. Uh, who I, I I love him. He's a good friend of mine. Um, Ahmed. Uh, I highly, if you've never listened to his music, um, I I really recommend it. His his he has got two records that are re- full lengths that are released. He's got a third one coming out, and I've heard the third one, and the third one's fantastic. He's worked with David Byrne. He's done the William Onyabor like reunion stuff. His he's great. He's great. Um, and I feel like people know he does pretty well. So it's not like I'm shining a spotlight on an unknown artist, but um, but he's awesome. I I would that's a good one, and I'll think of other stuff and I'll yell it out later. No worries. That sounds good. Okay. Um, so I know that, you know, you probably had your origin explained and investigated every which way, but I was reading actually an interview I think you did from this year and you mentioned how the Beastie Boys were like kind of really seminal for you in like that first like kind of record they did when they were still like a punk hardcore band. I was just wondering if you'd like talk a little bit more about that because I just found that so super interesting. Yeah, well, it wasn't even the it wasn't even the hardcore stuff because I found out about that later after I got into like the the rap Beastie Boys. I think if you grow up in like uh, if you grew up pre-internet in a place that wasn't like a metropolitan area or and you didn't have like cool older siblings or someone to guide you, the Beastie Boys had this thing going where they were cool, they looked cool, it sounded cool. They put out a magazine that told you about cool stuff that you would never hear about otherwise. Grand Royale magazine. And it introduced me to so much culture outside of like dub music and hardcore music and rap music and punk music. It just opened up the floodgates to learn about this kind of stuff that I don't know. I mean, maybe I would have found my way there otherwise, but I don't know. I mean, it was, I think, I think they were really important to a lot of people in my age bracket who didn't have access to like, cool stuff you know they were they were kind of arbiters of cool things um so yeah that that, they were super important to me and i i was a huge fan and i saw them many times when i was in high school that's awesome yeah i was i know a lot of that kind of does get lost in the modern times because it's you know people say like oh you weren't there you kind of can't quite experience in the same way it sounds like that is like one of those things where pre-internet 
all you had was like the word of what a band was doing and saying and like the shows that they played and the people they played with. So was it kind of like that too, where you also met like other like-minded Beastie Boys fans and then you all kind of like developed a collective taste together or? Not really. I mean, I had, I, I, I had one friend at, in high school. I went to high school in um, a small town called Cheshire, Connecticut, which is kind of outside of New Haven where Yale University is. That's where I went to like junior high and high school and all that stuff. And there was not many punks around. There was um, that we had a, a, it was a few friends in my grade. We kind of would skateboard and yeah, like, you know, listen to the Beastie Boys. We like discover Wu-Tang. We like, you know, that like you'd meet some girl in your drama class who dates a guy in a ska band and you just find your way like yeah. into that world. <laughs> um yeah, yeah. And then I think once you once you kind of flop your way into your first show, that kind of changes how depending on what the show is. But for me, it was it's kind of like, oh, this is this is where I want to be. And this is the thing I want to be involved with. And then, you you know, you, you do create a new social unit at that place. But, you know, you've got to get your way there, which is a, the hardest part, I think. So how did you get your way towards like screamed vocals? Can you recall the first few bands you heard that had screamier vocals? Yeah. The, uh, so um, I think specifically it would be, and this is not like a particularly thrilling answer, but, um, and I may have talked about this before, but there was an older girl in my high school. She was like a senior when I was a freshman, she worked at a hot dog stand that I really liked. And uh, she Wore, wore a uh, this is not a Fugazi t-shirt. Have you ever seen that t-shirt? So Fugazi didn't want to make merch. So they they made those. And I was like, what is, I didn't know what that was. She didn't know I existed, by the way. And then I went and I bought the repeater cassette at like Coconuts or whatever the store was and uh, listened to it on loop. And then I discovered that this guy was in another band called Minor Threat because there was a very cool record store where I grew up in uh near where I grew up called Phoenix records. And the guy was like, Oh yeah, you like them. Like you should listen to minor threat. And I've got the discography tape that had like the bottled violence guy on the cover. And uh, I was like, this sucks. I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> but then you, when you spend your hard earned money on something, you know, you're like, <clears throat> you're like you, you spend time with it. And then I became obsessed with it. I thought it was like the great, First kind of screamed vocals that was the first that's got to be the first legit hardcore band i heard i mean i i had heard listen to slayer before that and stuff like that that's kind of you know that's screamy that's on the the, the verge but in terms yeah it's definitely it would definitely be minor threat
was like the first kind of bands you heard that would be considered more towards like the screamo or what we would consider screamo today like that type of vocal can you recall anything that way like that i came upon way later in life i mean where i my hardcore scene that i grew up in was all youth crew and tough guy stuff true like hate breed and and fast break and uh stuff like that and i like i liked all that stuff a lot and then i got to college yeah i mean it was it was really meeting no you know i think before i met will i got the i think the acme record was probably the mm. first one okay that was that was in that zone i think i got that i don't know maybe will did show me that record it would be like basically when i was 18 would be the first time i i think i came across that kind of style of screamy stuff meeting hardcore um but i was into like at the gates and stuff like that so it was like things that are touching on it but not quite that you know do you have a favorite screamo split of all time because we have a follow-up question for that one (laughs) (laughs) a favorite screamo split i couldn't even name one what are you talking about um (laughs) screamo split uh Give throw some out there. Well, Elias uh, is our is our documentarian here. He's got. Um. Okay. Well, I mean, first put you on the spot. The Jerome's Dream Orchid split is considered. Yeah, that's my. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, that's my that's favorite. A, okay. <laughs> All right. Hit him no, I don't know. So, so to be honest with you, I mean, we we we. I never was like a. I liked a lot of the bands, kind of that, like were in the Venn diagram of kind of like screamo, we're kind of on the outer sides of it. Um, so, and then, so a lot of the stuff that was contemporary with us and then that happened after us. Um, oh, you know which one? I think the uh, Scheherazade, there's a Scheherazade split that I really like that Witching Hour put out. Um, there was a band called 1919 from Minneapolis that was really good. Song of Zarathustra. I mean, there was a lot of bands I liked. Yeah. But I can't think of like an iconic split. Right. We can. I'm sure there is one. Okay. Yeah, we, we know what it is. What's the follow-up <laughs> question? You want you want to ask it, Rob? No, that's all you, man. That's definitely you. Okay. Um, well, so we, I mean, you maybe you remember then we did ask Eric from Drones Dream a similar question, but what is it? I don't know if you, how much you know about how the skull split, as it's referred to, is like mm-hmm. kind of it's like such its own, like kind of it's like kind of like a holy grail in the Screamo community, not just in the sense of it's like an item everyone wants, but in like there's a type of reverence around it and a type of like kind of um, like adult idolatry about it almost. Lord. Like people make memes about it, you know. People yeah. like have people have it on the T-shirt and like just the split. It's not even like your band names on. Like it's like how, how much do you know about like that whole realm of like how iconic that thing is? It's like well, the mascot of our genre. The first time I think it occurred to me, like it, that it came across that it was something in that zone is there was like a weird California band that was kind of like a poppy emo core band and was it they, i don't know but they were singing mm-hmm. they're like they're like dudes at a beach and they were very muscly that's fine and then they yeah and they yell out the name of the record in the middle of the song and i was like the fuck is this like what is going on here <laughs> <laughs> it's just shaking his head uh 
yeah. are you like know. are you are you a fan of fight fair i don't know I, I, they, they seem fine i don't know anything I, about them i like fight fair uh alex Vigman, who is the vocalist and who was probably the reason that that happened at all is the lead <laughs> singer of fight fair he's also been in other screamo bands he's like in the scene oh, okay he also like ran up helped co-run a forum Cross my heart with a knife. He's like a big part of Screamo. So <laughs> I'm assuming he's going to listen to this at some point, and I'm sure that he's going to be absolutely floored by that. Oh, oh. well, I, it was. This is this is like old. When this came out, it was it was a long time ago, yeah. and it, it felt like it was kind of like Warped Tour days or something. And I was really disconnected from that world. And someone sent it to me, and I was like, "What is going on? Like, what is <laughs> what is what is this?" Yeah. So that was the first time, and then um, of course, like it's a thing that people ask me about and it's uh, uh i know that you know like on discogs and stuff i see what it goes for and all that kind of stuff we kind of i mean i i understand i understood that from a practical perspective because it was pressed so limitedly that it was going to be something that well i didn't know at the time but i i understand now that it would be something that people it would it's hard to get a hold of um, yeah. But the me the memes I'm I'm sadly way too familiar with. I'm um, sure that they don't let you live them down, huh? There's uh, I had to. My mother actually has a. Um, I probably shouldn't say this out loud because some yeah. fucking <laughs> horrible kid is going to hear this. But my mom had has like an alert about Orchid oh, for, in, for, for on in, for Instagram, like like the hashtag or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so the reason why I started finding out is my mom would send me the meanest orchid memes to me, like ones that were like, like horribly cruel. And it's always like, why don't you go after Will for once in your life? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, give me a fucking break, guys. Why, why isn't so, she sending you the good memes? Is the better question. I don't, know if she, I, I don't know, and I don't know if she knows what's going on. But I, t- I, t- I had to tell her. I said, please stop sending me this stuff. I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry that that really sucks also i don't know why people don't pick on will as much probably because probably because they want to rec- they want to talk shit about you publicly but then they also want to get recorded in dead air so yeah right yeah yeah i need to, i need to have a a cool hardcore recording studio exactly. yeah i don't really get uh i don't i don't i mean i also like i understand i'm happy that people want to make horribly cruel memes about me but i also um, don't want to see them. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the that's the two sides of it. But I also I know there's like there's fun ones and funny ones and whatever. Yeah, I've seen a ton of good ones. I, I haven't yeah. seen. Yeah, there's there's good. There's some good. There's good. Maybe ones too. maybe but, your mom's just bullying you with sending you all the bad ones. Well, <laughs> it's it's my mom and all my my horrible <laughs> friends. They're like, did you see this? You know. Do um does anyone in Ella um LCD sound system know about the memes? About the memes, yeah. uh, I don't. I mean, I think maybe I peripherally they know about the memes. But okay. there was a meme that was me and James Murphy together, and it was like it made some joke about like who's who and that we were fat old guys or some some terrible thing. <laughs> it was just really bad, and uh, uh, I didn't. So I didn't. I don't. I didn't tell him about that. I don't send James mean memes about LCD. You know what I mean? That's what I was saying. I was hoping that you wouldn't like do. To him, what you know, no, or no, what he God. would do, what his mother, or what your mother does to you, no. he would also do to you. Like it's not everyone just piling on. No, 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 no. <laughs> I would never. 
I wouldn't do it. I know how bad, I mean, I know how bad it feels, but I, you know, because the, the other thing, I can't remember who said it, it was like William Friedkin or something. It's like, he was talking about movie reviews. Mm. And, I, and I thought about it for like band reviews and everything that if you believe the really good ones, you have to believe the really bad ones. Yeah. And so the whole thing is, I'm kind of like, it's out there in the world and people are going to do what they will with it. And then I just have to think what I think about it and then have that be that, hopefully. So. Yeah, this is going to cause this is going to cause me problems. I can tell already. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll make sure to help you get set up with a filter if you don't know how to do that for your. Uh, oh yeah, please, because I, I don't. <laughs> um, I, so I'm kind of Rob. I'm going to pivot a little bit actually, because I'm really. I'm, this is actually something I really wanted to ask yeah, that I forgot to write into the question list. Was um, I really really like how for the podcast while you were doing it, you actually have a reference list of all the movies that are mentioned, and like I think oh, like, yeah. some of them are linked as well. And like, yeah. that's something that I really like to do also, like when we do our articles, I make sure if, if I reference a band, like I'll try to post like a live video or something like that. But more importantly, like, it seems like you're super into movie and cinema culture. Like, at, you know, I, I never really heard that much of that aspect of you, like in your other interviews and stuff. So I was wondering if you talk a little bit more about that. Like was cinema something you found in like high school and then fell through college or was it something that came later in life? Like, Yeah, when I was, it was actually, I met, so the, the, Jeff Garlock, who was the second bass player of Orchid, he and I were, were, became friends in seventh grade. So we knew each other for a long time. And he and I were like movie nuts. We'd watch movies together all the time um, in his basement because my parents were a little more strict about it. So we'd watch all kinds of stuff. And that's when I really had the feeling that I kind of wanted to be a, a film director was sort of what I wanted to do. And when I got to college, I went to college, Hampshire College for film. And um, I studied film and video and then got into a film studies program, which got me into critical studies of film. And then like all the critical theory stuff kind of came from there. Um, you know, the, one of the reasons why I went to Hampshire College was often, I don't know if this happens all the time, but you can go before you sign up for a college, you can go and do a, you spend the night with there and like someone like lets you stay in their dorm room and you can kind of see what it's like day to night, spend the night, see the culture of the college. And the guy who I stayed with did, had wanted nothing to do with me. He didn't want, he didn't want to deal with that's me awesome. at all. Man, so he, he, he said, he was like, he's like, there's a movie playing in this, you know, it was, like one of the, well, it was one of the class buildings. It was not like a huge place. And it was me and two other people. And it was a 16 millimeter print of Seven Samurai. Oh shit! And I remember just being like, "I'm coming here. This is this happens like all that. This is amazing, you know." That's sick. That's Kurosawa, um, right? Yeah, that's Kurosawa. Yeah. Uh, so and then and then when I was um, after when I moved to New York and I was still doing Orchid and then doing Panthers. Um, in between tours, I worked at this art house video store in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, called Photoplay, and I was like, uh, it was you know one of the best jobs I ever had in my life. But, you know, I just watch movies all day long and talk about movies with people all day long. You know, I think there's a real connection between, I mean, I think there's a real connection between all art forms, but, you know, music and film, it's like a, it's a very close bond. And, um, but yeah, and I think, I think being, I think also being so entrenched in playing music and going on tour and seeing bands constantly and like seeing live music all the time, 
going home and watching, like sitting and watching a film, it just feels nice as well. But yeah, yeah, I've, I've, since I've been a, a young lad, I've been a fan of, of the cinema. Right. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Um, Yeah. Is there a band that, I mean, you're right. There is like a kind of like a functionality that you find in both art forms, like music and cinema. Would you say that there's ever been a band that you've seen that's felt very cinematic? Well, a really simplistic answer would be Zombie, who Panthers toured with. Um, and they, you know, they feel like they fell right out of a Dario Argento film. It's just like all um, uh, all instrumental synth music uh, using, you know, the old synthesizers. It's a two-piece uh, and, yeah, very, very cinematic. Um I mean, you know, bands are cinematic in different ways. High and Fire, I thought was very cinematic. I mean, they're just so big and uh, epic. It feels like you're watching a Viking film or something. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like I do kind of compartmentalize them. I don't think of them as the same thing. But uh, mm. I, I think oftentimes it it can be a performance thing too. People on stage, the way they perform can feel... Or the, or just the milieu around the whole thing, like the audience and the whole thing. That that to me feels more cinematic than maybe the the music itself. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's that's totally fair. Um, I also kind of wanted to ask. I know this might be really hard, but like, what are your what are your like top three favorite films of all time, or recent? If that's all times too hard. I reject your question. No, okay. I um. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I, I, I find I, it's the same thing with music too, where that changes all the time. Um, I have some favorite, I can rattle off some favorite filmmakers and that people should go watch their films. Um, Claire Denis, French filmmaker, Catherine Briault, another amazing French filmmaker. Um, uh, I would say, if you've never seen Barry Lyndon, sit down and watch Barry Lyndon. Um, uh, Brian De Palma is is an amazing filmmaker. If you haven't seen Blowout, sit down and watch Blowout. Um, it's really hard for me. Uh, the Friends of Eddie Coyle, fantastic film. I'm just randomly naming stuff that I like. That's but a, uh, I mean that's a that's a good answer too. Yeah, yeah. All right. Very cool. Um, well, kind of switching back to the, the music a little bit, um, there's like a, I noticed, I mean, you know, we've been listening to Orchid for, I hope this doesn't hurt to hear, like almost half my life at this point. So um, I know that there's like a wide breadth of feelings and influences that come with like an Orchid record. And like, it's kind of like, it tastes like nihilism and it's tempered with like this heavy urgency of like camaraderie and community. Like, especially that I find a lot in your lyrics, there's a lot of tongue in cheekness, but there's also like a lot of calls for solidarity in different places. Well, it obviously, it evolved throughout the process. Like I, I never, Will keeps bringing this thing up in interviews that I sang in a band before Orchid. And I did, but I completely forgotten about it. It was like, we had two shows and I was in college and I didn't write any of the lyrics. They were written for me. Okay. So, so I don't think it counts. So I've never, I had never written my own lyrics before Orchid. And so I didn't really know what I was doing. And I, at the, the first couple records, I was really copying things. Um, and it was mostly other bands. Um, 
you know, like, <laughs> like some of the songs are like straight up ripoffs of like chokehold songs. I mean, and they're like, it's pretty bleak, you know? Um, yeah. uh, then as we went, once we got into like chaos territory, the biggest thing that was an influence to me was, um, you know, Debord and the uh, Situationist movement of uh, in France. The, there was these riots in France in 1968, um, and that the 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 title song "Chaos Is Me" is this is a slogan that's spray painted on the wall during the riots in '68. So, "Le Disordre Same Wise" is was the spray spray painted slogan, and I saw that and I just thought it was kind of perfect. I wanted to write lyrics that were. Uh, maybe not predictable for the style of music that we were doing um, and write about things that I was truly interested in. So, you know, it, it gets into like, there, there are songs about film actually on, on some of those records and there's songs about sex and sexuality. And, uh, um, and then of course, like my, my life involved in like this scene and world of, of hardcore is part of it as well. But I tried to, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of like cultural theory stuff and philosophy stuff for quite a long time, and I, I tried to make it, you know, a little bit more accessible and fun. Yeah, because a lot of the bands I liked mm. got me into reading certain books. They would like mention authors or like you know, Bikini yeah. Kill and like Nation of Ulysses, and those bands would like they'd talk about. I mean, Nation of Ulysses is one of the biggest they're so at fault for my lyrical content it's kind of ridiculous so you know that 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 was a big part like los crudos like these 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 bands would they'd make me want to go out and buy a book which i thought was pretty amazing um and it wasn't the rote stuff that, that you hear all the time from like bands singing constantly about that wasn't very eloquent but no i mean it tracks I, that's um that makes sense. And there is like a lot of influences there that I feel. I mean, you know, like later on, I am Nietzsche, right? And like that just is like kind of the entry point for everything else that's in there. But I always wondered because, you know, you have your song titles and then you um, dance tonight, revolution tomorrow. That's like kind of a play on a famous mantra, right? Like there is no, if there is a revolution without dancing, I do not want a part of it, like that kind of stuff. And yeah, like that, you know, that all tracks. So that's really cool to hear. Yeah, and the, the the cover of that record is the um, the logo is from the White Panther Party, which was a, a group in the late '60s that uh, it was a, it was white folks who showed solidarity with the Black Panther Party, and also like MC Five were sort of the spokes band of that scene, and they're you know this showed up even more in Panthers, but that was stuff that I was all kind of interested in, like radicalism. Um, bordering on terrorism in the US, like the weather underground and um, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, like Anais Nin is another author that I like reference all the time and talked about a lot. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. People who are just fringe, fringe radical culture, sexuality, anything. is something that I've always been kind of interested in. That's really awesome. I hope you know how deeply influential that is for a lot of people too. You probably gave a lot of people their first peek into like philosophy and like cultural theory and things like that. Like I was in a conversation with a bunch of people in a chat that's exclusively dedicated to Screamo and they were talking about 
you know, Marxist-Leninist movements and Maoism and how they got into it in high school. And they mentioned Orchid. They mentioned like listening to Seisha and um, like reading old stuff that they would write. So, mm. well, that makes me. I mean, that that definitely. I I love hearing stuff like that. Although I'm sure there's a lot of parents who are upset that they went to college to get those degrees, but <laughs> <laughs> but I I do I I don't know I get that that gives me more pleasure than a lot of the things that you know like seeing the orchid skull split in a meme or something I, I i like that that came out of it so yeah that's cool it's very cool well if we can uh pivot from orchid um you're mentioning the connection between cinema and music there's also a big connection with video games and music and this one comes from our friends in heavenly blue they told me to ask you how panthers got on to nhl 2k6 <laughs> I've never played it. I'm not a big hockey guy, even though I'm Canadian. So they told me to ask you that one. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. That's like the least dubious thing Panthers was on. Um, uh, <laughs> we, well, we, I'm trying to remember the origins. I'm pretty, I'm sure what happened was, because we did like the first record on Trouble Man really quickly. Then we did the EP on Dim Mock with Steve Aoki. And then we got signed to Vice and then did uh, Let's Get Strange. And I think it was the Vice, being on Vice, they had like people who would try to play songs or like they'd be right to them and say, you know, do you have anything for us? Like, I think I'm sure that's how it happened. I mean, I don't think it was like- A licensing some, agent or something? Probably, I don't know, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it wasn't just like, hey, we have to have Panthers on this hockey game or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But I did like those hockey games, so I was kind of like, that's cool. I forgot about that completely. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. I'm worried about what the other ones are going to be. <laughs> There's worse ones at the end. Elias has the good questions. I, <laughs> I, I have the stupid ones. He's got the good ones. <laughs> I mean, though, we were, we also had some friends that, we, you know, we, we were close with and talked about, and they, you know, they wanted us to ask stuff like that. Also ask, you know, um, especially now that we know you're in Tirana, uh, that uh, NFF 2024 is always looking for bands. So, what the hell is that? That's uh, actually I oh, oh, oh new friend, the new, new friends, friends fest. fest. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. So, well, I hope um, I hope you guys can find some people. That's cool. Yeah, I hope so too. But also, you should just if you want to just go for kicks. It's an awesome weekend. I went past year for my first time and i just i had a blast i slept like 15 hours of the span of four days but it was amazing well you know it's funny when i was living in brooklyn i was going to this bar i think this is how it happened but i was chatting with a bartender and then i realized it was uh one of the dudes from page 99 and i was like what the fuck oh, shit. and uh, yeah 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 and then i saw they were and so we kind of became and he was doing comedy as well in brooklyn at the time and uh, so we, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was out of town when they played up, played up here at that fest. It happened already, right? Didn't it happen? Yes, uh, beginning yeah, of yeah, August. Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. So, anyways, but yeah, that seems like a cool, seems like a cool thing. Yeah. Oh, it was a blast. Um, yeah, I did want to ask a little bit about uh, Panthers because Panthers being like the post Orchid kind of project. I mean, you know, it had Jeff Carlock and it had uh, Jeffrey. Sorry if I pronounced his last name wrong. Solani? Solani, yeah. Solani. Okay. Sorry about that, Jim. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a bit 
hard not to hear the bits and pieces of what was happening in Orchid in Panthers 2, but obviously, like, it's its own beast in, like, this really cool, incredible way. Like, the ideas you had happening on, like, are you down and, like, let's get serious. But I wanted to know, like, how was it moving from writing in Orchid to writing in Panthers? Because it sounds like you kind of still were, like, you were absorbing a lot of, like, the philosophical, cultural theory, like, cinema stuff, but it kind of came out in a different way. Yeah, well, we, it, it overlapped because we were still doing Orchid, but I had left college and moved to Brooklyn. And and then um, Orchid had done a tour with the Red Scare, who are, if, I assume people listening to the show know who they are. If you don't, they're oh, yeah. great. So Kip uh, from the Red Scare, was the singer-guitar player, he moved to Brooklyn. Um, and then the two Jeffs moved to Brooklyn and Will was still in Mass, but we were still doing Orchid. We were like, well, what, we're all here. Let's do a new band. And um, yeah, I had an idea. I had I had an idea to do something that was. I mean, it, it, every time I tell this to someone, it it's it makes me laugh out loud. But I, I had an idea to do something more accessible, that had like radical politics. Okay. And I was like, oh, this will be people now. People will be really into it because it's like, and the music is not accessible. I realize now, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so that was kind of the concept. And I wanted to also, I've always thought this way about making stuff is I don't need to be in another band that sounds like Orchid. I'm in Orchid. So I wanted to do something pretty different. I wanted to try to do something different with my voice and, and mm. uh, you know, had, had some different ideas. Um, but it was definitely, yeah, it definitely carried over. I mean, it was like, an, it was kind of an exaggerated version of some of the themes on the Orchid records um yeah that's that's kind of how how that all worked out very cool did you um, guys do you guys know about um when i first got to new york do you know the, the the first band i did when i got to new york no wasn't that one that uh that will was constantly reminding you of no no that was that was in college this oh, is okay. when i first moved to brooklyn i was in a band with billy from seisha and uh, a couple of the guys from Station, a couple of the guys from She's Hit, Greg Drudy from Level Plane Records. Holy shit. And we were, and I played guitar, Billy sang, and we were called She's Hit, named after a birthday party song. And we played two shows, and then we broke up. Oh, so. shit. Okay. <laughs> I had no idea what that was. I've seen, I'm in some no yeah, groups, and they talk about it, but I'm like, oh, that's a, I'll have to check that out one day. <laughs> Yeah, it's a very it's a very short-lived project. I think I there's one that, song, there's one song that got recorded off the, the like from the demo, some horrible version or some practice right. space tape or something. Yeah, but yeah, that was the, that was like... the that was the first thing I did before uh before we started up Panthers. Oh, that's awesome. And like that that was just like kind of fun one-off thing or you guys just played a few times and you're like, "No, I think we kind of we're done here." Well, I didn't know anybody when I got to New York and, uh, and then, but I knew that the, like Billy and Greg, those guys lived there. And so we, we weren't super close at the time, but I, we knew each other. So we met up and talked and thought it'd be fun to start playing together. So we did, we practiced a lot, but we didn't play very many shows. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fun. I mean, sometimes practicing is the best part. Did you get to go see any of the, um, the Seisha reunion shows? When they were I haven't. No, I haven't seen them. No. No. Oh, okay. They they're pretty great. Not I'm to, sure. Not I've to no, brag, but no, no, I have no, I have no doubt. Big flex. No doubt. Big flex, dude. Big flex. 
Yeah, sorry, my bad. <laughs> my bad. I can't help it. Just uh, dreams coming true over here. Yeah. connection but i also am really curious how you kind of so were you just in the vice offices because you kind of did stuff with vice for like a little while too right yeah i I mean i don't know how interesting this it's a long kind of a long story so uh when i was in college there was a guy who's older than me his name is jesse pearson he actually is on one of the episodes of my podcasts um and he became the editor of vice and Mm. when i first moved there he was he was the editor of vice magazine and I was looking for stuff to do. And he offered me to write music reviews for vice. So I did that for a while. Like this is, you know, 99, 2000, something like that. Yeah. Vice was very different back then for the people. It was, yeah, it was very different. Um, And so I did that for a while and then that kind of faded away. And then just randomly that the the label thing came back into our orbit um, and we all knew people who worked there. So yeah, so the band was there for quite a long time and we were in the office a lot, kind of talking to the label and all that kind of stuff. So we were always around. And then after that, that kind of faded away. And then I was doing those tours with LCD Sound System. And uh, when they did their you know, quote unquote, final show at Madison Square Garden. I was doing, I did these red carpet interviews and then I did this live stuff in the middle of the crowd. And um, they made this documentary about it called Shut Up and Play the Hits. And we went to Sundance for that. And uh, so when I was there, one of the guys from Vice, Eddie Moretti, saw me and he was like, I want to talk to you about something. Like when we would get back to New York. And then when I got back to New York, they asked me to be the digital face of noisy, which was their music page. And that went very poorly. Every time I've worked with vice, it's gone very poorly. There's people there that I like very much. Right. But it was this, this was the last one was really bad. Oh man, we could do a whole podcast where I have some, so many stories, but, um, but yeah, so that's how, so like those interviews floating around where I was like interviewing people and doing like panel discussions and, yeah, like talking head stuff. That was that was part of that debacle. But yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we don't have to go much more into it, but yeah, I was just really interested and curious, you know, as people who do like music journalism, like every facet of that is really interesting. So yeah, it's a, it's, it was a pretty, uh, it's a pretty fascinating place. Pretty chaotic from the sounds. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, it got less chaotic, which made it less interesting as time went on, but um, yeah, they got real clean. I still remember they had like a whole issue, like a hard magazine issue just on like drugs and guns, I think. And one on like the Iraq war, like Vice used to be it. Like they used to be really cool. Ooh, they yeah. The old drug documentaries, just for the record. They do that. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Uh, yeah Errol true. Morris's son, Hamilton does those. Which are I just watched cool. one the other day about the new pink to uh, CB fucking wild. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, this, uh, but the, the old Vice was a little bit more. Was kind of just like cocaine is cool tell your friend you know like it wasn't yeah, like yeah, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't investigative journalism or anything yeah, not at all. It so was like, it was a it was a bit different of a vibe <laughs> my uh my old favorite vice article was i think they had a writer in the uk or something who used to just dose his friend on a ton of acid and take him to different theme parks oh yeah i yeah, i yeah. fucking love that series so much it was so funny it would just be like completely horrific but definitely like it was very vice of the time well it is a funny thing too because again the canadian new york connection but uh Mm. that started up in toronto but but when i first got to new york it was like that magazine was it was free and it was everywhere yeah and it was like everyone had it on the back of their toilet in their house you know it was like you know it was it was the biggest deal for such a long time um yeah it was it was quite a it was that time period in new york was very strange and interesting and fun um yeah i'm sure yeah. and uh speaking of which uh i wanted to kind of move into the, I, you know we talked about you doing comedy a little bit how did fronting orchid prepare you for the inherent violence of the new york open mic comedy scene <laughs> nothing can really there's That's nothing more bleak yeah there's nothing more <laughs> bleak um well i think the i also always was like a big stand-up fan as a kid growing up and it was always this weird fantasy I had in the back of my head mm-hmm. and I made a promise to myself I would do it before I turned 30 and then I turned so when I did right when I turned 30 I went and did my first open mic um and I never was great at it to be honest uh but I really I did enjoy it and it it itched, it scratched a certain itch that being a front man in a band also does um yeah and you know, I basically just crave the attention of strangers. So that's, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, but, but the thing that, you know, being in a band helps, like I know how to hold a microphone. I've been on a stage before. I've been in front yeah. of people before. Like, walk back like, all that stuff. Yeah, all, all that stuff helps. I mean, all that <laughs> stuff helps. There's people literally at open mics who are just like, don't know how to hold a microphone or. Yeah, it's very, yeah. very so that, tricky thing to do. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's, I used to do open mics too, and it's. It's oh yeah a, it's a nightmare out there oh yeah Wait, seriously stand up i've told you this before Rob. yeah you, i was in the, you're not funny though how did that happen I, oh that's that's that's, that's, that, but I, that's why i did that's why i did open <laughs> mics because i wasn't funny i never got paid slots or spots that's what i'm saying <laughs> okay all right, all right. but I, mean, I did also sorry go ahead no no i was saying that the, the first time i got paid i got paid 20 bucks the first once and i was like i'm a professional comedian now you know it's i mean that's what it, put it on the resume you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, they say nobody kills at an open mic, and it's true. But do you remember a time when the crowd just seemed to kind of be connecting with your set a little bit more than usual? Yeah, well, I used to do uh, I used to do this regular 
uh, like kind of variety show that I created at this. It was upstairs from a taco restaurant in uh, Bushwick <laughs> called El Cortez. And it was a music venue. And we had a live, I had a live band that would back me up, like, you know, play in between comics and we'd have comics come up. We always had a feature where someone would try stand up for the very first time on stage and I'd be up Amazing. there with them, helping them along. And we'd have a musical act. And like we've had, we had a magician who was wasted one time. We had like drag, <laughs> drag performers. We've had, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So we did that for almost a year. We do it once a month. And um, I think, yeah, I think maybe even a little more than a year. And that was always great. I mean, I, I would come up and do a little bit of time at the beginning and then I do little bits in between. And, and uh, that always felt really good to me. I really loved those shows. Um, and I think the audience was into it too. Cause it was like, it was a comedy show that someone put some effort into, which is not a thing yeah. that happens very often. Um, but I also, I, I, I remember I had a really fun set opening up for um, Nick Zinner from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs does a Black Sabbath cover band. Do you know? <laughs> and it's called, and it's called the Black Sabbath cover band. That's amazing. And uh, they played a show at St. Vitus and they asked me to open. I was the only opener. That's amazing. And, and that was really, that was also a really, I remember that being a very fun set. Cause I thought it was going to be terrible. Cause whenever you open up for a band, it's like a nightmare. But yeah. That like was really thing. fun. That was fun too. Damn. That's really cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so I kind of couldn't find a good place to fit this question, but I did want to like ask at least um, which Pair, uh, pair Coro record release do you think is a must listen for people listening to our podcast? Oh man, there's a lot of really good ones. I mean, that was a pretty insane label and also, I guess, well-documented, a very big influence on Orchid. Um, I don't know, there's this Carol 7-inch that has one of the nastiest breakdowns ever it has like a it's brown and has like a piece of machinery on the cover i can't remember the name of the record that record is so sick the first the sistral 10 inch is like a must the morser 12 inch is a must um i guess that's enough yeah those there's so many i mean it's it's worth just i don't know if there's some archive of them somewhere uh i've never looked but if i would just Google it and anything from the time period of like 97 to 2000 and 2000 probably is like going to be yeah. amazing. Yeah. I think uh, they have a band camp. I don't know if every single thing is on there, but it, it goes like all the way back to like that Carol Simmons you're talking about up until like, I think like 2002 or something. Yeah. We used to, I mean, yeah, we used to listen to that's Will and I in his dorm room, just like blast that stuff all the time. So, so good. Yeah, that's awesome. big in the big in the orchid van for sure. Wow, Elias, good question. You're worth every cent. I don't pay you, man. That's fantastic. Quality work. <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the stuff you've you've done um, through your stand up and all the different bands, is there like a specific favorite tour or show memory that stands out to you? Well, there's a couple, I mean, it, it's, I would, I think it would fall into different categories. I heard Eric answer this question and he always answers it the same way with this, the show from North Dakota that Orchid and Jay Rush, but I cannot for the life of me remember what that show is. 
So <laughs> I think that, but but I'm not not saying that that wasn't a good show. What I'm saying is I think it's like, it's a very individually lived experience. It's like when you're in the room and something happens to you and you, you just like feel that, feel that thing. I think for, I mean, Orchid, there's a few for me. One was we played a festival in, uh, it's like kind of rural Germany when we were on tour. Mm-hmm. And Kent McClard had flown out. Kent McClard, who's the guy who runs Ebolition Records, um, who put out all the Orchid stuff. I don't know if I'm over-explaining for your listeners, but they, um, so, yeah, the whole he, thing, so. <laughs> he flew out to the, the the shows. We did a couple, a bunch of, couple festivals we played one show with uh with morser actually which was really awesome um but it was this it was in this crazy place it was kind of in the woods there was a bunch of like distro tables set outside almost like it was almost like a real hippie festival but for hardcore music um it was overcrowded it was hot um and we were playing last and we went on and we had we had to play on the stage which we you know, historically didn't like doing, yeah. but we had people on stage with us and uh, it was just the great, it was the m- most insane show. And the, it was so great. Like the power cut out partway through. Oh shit. Um, that one was really incredible. Uh, doing more than music fest was really memorable. Also, it was a kind of a nightmarish disaster set, but it was, I think it was the first time that, I really was thinking like, oh, people like this. Um, I, Cause I remember Usurp Synapse played it and they mm. made shirts that said chaos is us when they played. Yeah. They just posted about like, this on Instagram the other day, actually. Yeah. Did they really? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I just, a couple of the t-shirts. I think they said they made like 20 or some. Sh- I forget what it, exactly it said. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't, we had never met those guys at that point. And I was kind of like, I was like, really? <laughs> it's like, this is, this is like popular enough that someone would make fun of it already. Like, it's pretty good. So um, uh, and that show was really, that show was really great. And, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of memorable orchid moments, some good, some bad, but those are probably the, those are two that I really think about as being kind of super fun. Panthers played a show in a cave in uh, France and Holy in shit. Paris it was like, well, it was like not a cave. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was <laughs> a building and it had like, it was below and it was this tiny little, tiny little brick cave. And I remember we played and the crowd just picked me up and they, I was singing and they were, I, it was so, the ceiling was so low that my face was scraping against the rocks in the top. And I had, my nose was all ripped up and bloody. And it was, I was like the best Panther show of all time. I, I loved, I loved that show so much. Um, and then you know a lot of a lot of great touring memories come from being on the road with LCD too. There's like just many doing that Madison Square Garden show was something I won't forget. Like Hollywood Bowl, like yeah. being in those kind of iconic places and being on stage in whatever capacity was really really memorable and like very exciting. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and violent bullshit. All of our shows were. <laughs> <laughs> The most memorable violent bullshit show. We don't even have to talk about this band because no one cares, but we did one tour and we were booked in Chicago the night Obama got reelected and was making his acceptance speech. Oh, the the Chicago man, Barack Obama. Yeah. (laughs) And there was two people in the room watching us play. And one was Bob Weston from Shellac. Um, 
Holy and when was when one was Brian Chase from Facts and 90 Day Men. And that was it. And the rest, rest of the people were watching the, the speech because we went on during the speech. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that was a pretty memorable <laughs> violent bullshit show. The most historic <laughs> violent bullshit set. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly. <laughs> Certainly. That's amazing. So I, I try to ask a couple questions that hopefully you've never been asked before. Okay. Uh, they're not exactly um, highbrow. Uh, if if you don't want to answer it, or if you want to fudge up some of the details, that's also acceptable. Okay, I'll take but it. But I'd love I'd love to know what's the most dangerous or illegal thing that you've ever done in your life. Hypothetically speaking, of course. Well, I can tell you. I don't think I want to talk about illegal stuff, but I can tell that's you what fair. the that's most. I can, yeah. I can tell you what the most. <laughs> We gotta wait until the statute of limitations goes up, guys. But there's the uh, uh the, book. one of the most dangerous <laughs> things that I've been involved with is just going to Connecticut hardcore shows and one in particular where it was in this place called the New Britain Sports Palace. It was a big indoor soccer arena and a very and people think of Connecticut as being this like everyone there is rich. And it's there's like it's not like that. It's a very mixed bag in terms of how it's all set out. New Britain is a very it was a very, at the time, kind of dangerous city. I think it still is to some degree. Anyways, I was uh, a young man and we went to the show and it was Earth Crisis, Hate Breed, I think uh, Marauder, I think Jesus. of who else played. But it was, you know, it was, uh, and it was a ton, it was hundreds of people in this in this space. Nice. And um, they're Connecticut the Connecticut crew fought the Boston crew and it was and there, there was people had literal mad balls, like the cue balls in the sock and like oh, someone, someone fired a gun into the air and everyone's running around. I was hiding under a table. Basically it was a huge brawl. Oh, and then the God. show, and then the show didn't end. Yeah. Nice. yeah After yeah. the fight broke up, they're like, okay, hate breeds on next or whatever. It was like, <laughs> I think I was like, I'm like, that's insane that I was at that place. And at the time I'm like, that's a normal show. We do that at all of our shows. Right. So there, there was always there was a lot of violence at those shows, and that was pretty dangerous. I remember during Orchid, we got uh, we played a show in Virginia with Encyclopedia of American Traders. Oh, yeah. like someone's someone's house in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, just so you know, last time we played here, um, we kicked a bunch of skinheads out. So they said they were going to come back and fight everybody this time. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the heads up, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing we love to hear. <laughs> there are so many things like that like weird like punk violence stuff that there's yeah. a lot of a lot of that yeah that's like the those are the that's the fun the fun violent stories yeah and we'll oh, yeah love, we'll leave it i love to hear that especially when people are saying oh hardcore is too violent now i'm like <laughs> yeah now now nah. i know i can't when people are talking <laughs> about that i follow this account on instagram called not a push pit and it's just like yeah, crazy same crazy mosh fighting or whatever. Yeah. And then I'm like, and everyone's like, it's like, this would never have happened in my scene. I was like, are you crazy? This is like wimpy compared to the shows I went to when I would go see hate breed. He would yeah. literally say, let the Connecticut prison riots begin. And everyone would just start beating the shit out of each other. I mean, it was yeah. like, it was nuts. Yeah. People that's would a die at Boston hardcore shows. Like, Oh man. Like I didn't. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that people didn't fight at hardcore shows until I got into college <laughs> and you started <laughs> fighting someone and you're like what are you doing yeah you don't do that here yeah yeah no i remember i was at a, we played a show with song of zarathustra in minnesota 
uh, it was in the basement of a record store and there was this like drunk crusty punk and he was really messing with our drummer behind the merch booth and i told him to stop you know i'm not not, not in those words yeah. and then when song of zarathustra <laughs> played he was down there and he was kind of like trying to have a go and so i was like let's do it you know and then our, my bass player brad was like he's like he's like don't do it, Jay. You might have a knife. And I was like, I remember just being like, oh, this is a different scene. This is a very different world. You know, we yeah. didn't fight. Nothing, nothing. I didn't do any, commit any violence there. But, yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's a, it, it's a, it was, it was nice to know I could go to shows and not feel the, the looming threat of, of violence over my head all the time. So that was good. Yeah. No, it's cool. And, uh, you know, just for your edification. Maybe not that level, but shows are still violent. They just are smart enough not to document the violence all the time. They're, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I hear about things that happen in LA that are very terrifying to me, but I'm like, I'm glad that's still kind of happening over there. Yeah, it should be scary. I mean, that's part of the fun. Danger yeah. is part of the fun a little bit, you know? Definitely. Definitely. Like, like kids jumping off of roofs, people like like throwing fists and stuff. Honestly, I've heard of way more like life-damaging injuries from push pits than I have from you know, someone getting a metal sandwich to the mouth. Yeah, I, I believe that. I believe that. Yeah, and I think it is, there's something like, there's certain scenes, there should be these, like, uh, kind of like barriers to admittance. Like if you're, if, if this freaks you out, like, okay, don't, that's not for you. And then, it, you know, it, I think, which is not to say that there's not another place for you somewhere, but I, I do think that like hardcore can be scary and is fun when it is scary. Yep. Yeah true so speaking of the violence <laughs> i always like to ask uh if you could punch anyone in the face with zero repercussions one punch as hard as you can who are you gonna who are you gonna knock out and why you get one punch in one person <laughs> one punch in one person yeah make it count though oh. yeah i know god break, break their nose at the minimum uh i'm not a, i'm not a very violent guy but uh someone well okay i'm gonna do it's mine's gonna be more thematic okay there's these tiktok videos where there's <laughs> kid there's kids in new york and they're like here's the thing about new york you've probably never heard of it's called a bacon egg and cheese and i'm gonna go into this bodega and order and i, the, the, I, I would punch any one of those kids <laughs> yes, yes. That's a big one. And the second one would be anyone who listens to their phone with the volume on without yeah. headphones in a Yo. crowded place. That's a punch. That's a punch for me. That's a punch. Yeah. Even if you do that at home alone in your room, fuck you. Put in some headphones. Oh. It's the worst. No, I mean, let's, let's, let's not go crazy. Yeah, let's go wild. Come on, Rob. No, no. no, man. <laughs> that's like that's psychotic. You can't listen to it alone. <laughs> Yo, put in huh? headphones. Why do you got to listen to your phone? The, the phone speaker? I had someone do that. Like I was drinking with them the other day. They're like, yo, let me show you this song. I'm like, I have a speaker system. Use my Bluetooth. They're like, no, no, hold on. And they're holding their phone up to my ear. I'm like, dude, fuck you. Put in headphones or something. This is awful. Like, yeah, it's, I bad, think it's, it's bad audio quality. Fuck yeah, people. And, like and, and mixed, and mixed my, my concern isn't the audio quality, but it's the, uh, <laughs> in, the mixed, in mixed company, it's a very rude thing to do. I yeah. don't like it, like at the airport or on the subway or anything like that. That's that drives me. That drives me up a wall. Yeah. A, a specific person, I'm sure there's people, but I, you know, what am I going to say? Like Elon, Elon Musk. Like I don't know. Fucking yeah. Right. 
someone uh someone said Danny Trejo just because they wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> you, you'd, you'd be in trouble, I think. Is what yeah, that's happen. what I said. I said you well, would no, not be the, welcome to LA. The, the stipulation is no repercussions. I specify right. I, I specify that, right? So, yeah, right. no repercussions, right. but people would still be upset. Oh, so that's a different. <laughs> That's a different angle. Like you can punch someone that you like just to see what the reaction would be. Yeah, you a lot could. of people say like they're band members. I would not do that. Like to the two while their band members are sitting right next to them, they're like, oh yeah, I'd punch our drummer in the face. Yeah, I've almost been just... I've almost been punched by a few band members, but I've never uh had <laughs> just, yeah. It's, it's come close a few times <laughs> where they've wanted to ruin my life, but yeah. Yeah. Thankfully I uh, turned the other cheek, so to speak. Or I ran away. Yeah, there's there's a couple <laughs> options. I had one last uh, one I usually ask, kind of a dumb one here for myself. I know you said you didn't want to ruin your brand, but I always ask, what do you listen to that could be considered cringy or embarrassing to yourself or others? Okay. About something. Sure, yeah, yeah. I can name a million of these. Because the thing nice. is, I don't really believe in guilty pleasures. I'm like happy to listen to whatever. The one yeah. that I get the most the most shit for was I was like, and this is even in early days, I was like, I think Turnstile is a cool band. <laughs> and everyone's early like, there it is. is, there it is. So that <laughs> was a bit, that's a big so one. Good. And I still yeah. think they're good. And I stand by it. And I don't care. And I mean, until sure. they start playing like the Dorito stage with like, you know, the Blink-182 <laughs> thing was a little difficult. But, yeah. you know... Yeah. I think they did a Taco Bell commercial and I was like, I'm on the edge, but I think the music is good. Uh, I'm on the edge. <laughs> but I like, uh, I, I like, Taco you know, Bell. <laughs> I love, listen, Panthers lived on, we got free, ta- we got Taco Bell bucks that we lived on for being Oh, a that's band. amazing. Uh, I like Drake. I listen to Drake. Okay. Yeah, there you go. See? No, he's I just know. us as a person. His music's also whatever, but. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't really, yeah, I don't know his personality that well. But I listen to all kinds of, I mean, I listen to so much stuff. But yeah. I think for yeah. for hardcore, yeah, I think I probably get the most shit for saying that I like turnstile. It could be anything though. Like Elias listens to a shitload of pop music. Yeah, I love boy bands. I was raised on like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys and all that shit. My so wife, this loves, one got me into music. My wife loves that stuff too. I'm a little too old for it, but um, yeah. So I, I can I can I can appreciate <laughs> I can appreciate it I can appreciate it for sure. Like all I'm saying is the NSYNC reunion might happen this year. Like your wife, no, I don't know if she's on that side of the fence or. She saw fence. them. Uh, she saw them in Vegas. It was I think it was either NSYNC, which is the one without Justin Timberlake. Uh, that would Boys? be Backstreet Boys. Yeah, the she saw the Backstreet one? Boys. Yeah. in Las Vegas like a few years ago, and yeah. she sent Jealous. me a video, and all I can hear is her shrieking, like screaming. Yeah. That about so, right. yeah. Um, nice. So she may be excited. I've seen, this. I've seen Justin Bieber live. Was he good? Yeah, dude. He's, the thing is, <laughs> he's the thing about this. <laughs> no, no, no. The thing about Justin Bieber live is like someone was like, "Oh man, he fuck, he sucks." He's like, he doesn't even really sing. And I was like, and that's true. Sometimes he's like lip syncing or whatever. But he's yeah. also like on a trampoline. There's like 42 dancers out there. You know, there's like an elephant walks on stage. And then it's like you go see some dumb band and they're just standing around singing. I'm like, this guy's putting in effort, you know? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I, If I had the opportunity to go see Pitbull, I'll go see Pitbull. I know Pitbull puts on a great show. 
Worldwide? Come on. I don't know. I don't know about Mr. Worldwide. Maybe. Oh, come on. You can't, you can't jump sure. from Bieber to Mr. Worldwide? No, no. I, I mean, I, I, I can see the leap, but I, uh, I'm not sure if I could. I'm not sure. I'm if just saying he's on a tour right now with Enrique Iglesias and Ricky Martin. And like that's the most that's the insane the most insane lineup I've ever seen. It's a pretty wild lineup. I've seen Miley Cyrus. Okay. Well, that's sick. Yeah. Which era? Like was, well, I saw her. I think it maybe a, it was like between a good era and a bad era. It's when she, she was um, she was working with that complete dildo from the Flaming Lips, whatever that guy's mm. name is. I think they're all dildos. So you're gonna. You're oh, it's the main guy. The main guy. Oh, but, Wayne uh, Coyne or whatever. Wayne Coyne. Yeah. Yeah, that guy sucks. Yeah. Um, but I guess I'd punch him. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but she was still pretty good. And when I got to Toronto, I saw Alanis Morissette. Oh, sick. How was that? that Rob was loves iconic. Alanis Morissette. You won't She's a Canadian that. legend. She Dude. is a Canadian legend. And I didn't really realize to what degree. So she hadn't played Toronto in a long time. And yeah. And Emma, my wife, wanted to go. And I was like, I dig it enough. I'm down. And it was like going to see which I also just did is I just went and saw Metallica and it was insane, but it was nice. like, uh, it was like, uh, it was like a Metallica for like ladies. Like it was like a ladies Metallica where like you could hear Metallica. You couldn't hear her sing. People were screaming all the lyrics. They were going completely apeshit. Amazing. Um, and it was pretty, yeah, it was, she still had it. She had a good voice. She did this crazy thing where she, this is, is this is bad for the podcast, isn't it? That I'm talking about. No, this? no, no. No, this is the all. nonsense people want to hear. I think this is this is why we ask these questions. Yeah. <laughs> she she put up she put up before she went on stage. She showed this video and it was like a highlight reel of like she's like she's won 14 Grammys and played no. in front of no, no, and no. I was like I was like we are all here like no one else is going on after you like we know who you are like, so narcissistic I, like, I cannot believe that that's amazing but I I, I kind of I kind of I kind of dug it but it was completely psychotic I mean it was psychotic behavior. I think that's why it makes it so diggable so you're just like, yeah. oh yeah you're that kind of unhinged it was like and the music was like wow like, Alanis Morissette has won more awards than any other female artist just like dude all right Hold on, I think like, Shania Twain's got her for that one. I, I'm making be, up. Yeah. I'm making oh, up the facts. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I don't know them for sure. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't memorize the intro to the video. I'm just see. Of... I could see if Enya ever played live. I would be like, yeah, okay. But I would sit through. That's not cringy. Video. That. No, I'm Enya? saying like. If, oh, oh Enya, yeah. If yeah. Enya made a, a video being like Enya's won more awards, I'd be like, yeah, she has. Yeah, I'll yeah. sit through that for like 15, <laughs> yeah. 20 minutes because yeah, it's Enya. But yeah, I don't know. Lance I mean, she's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Who doesn't love Jack Little Pill? That's, I mean, that's the, yeah, that's the whole thing. I mean, I, I, you know, she, she, I didn't realize so many hits. She had a lot of hits. So many. A lot of hits. Yeah. We're going to do a preview for this episode, like coming next week on Not Just a Phase. Jason. I know, dude. <laughs> As if I haven't we, alienated enough Orchid fans, it's going to be like the end of the. If we can get Alanis Morissette to come on the podcast, would you co host with us? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll fire you both and I'll take over the whole thing. Oh. <laughs> Oh well, no. I actually, I had a. I, never mind. I'm not going to tell. You that called story. the 24 Hour uh, Screamo podcast. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I won't do that. <laughs> no, I, I quit already. I quit. Nice. I get a lot of that around here, to be honest. Yeah, we've been. I've been trying to quit for the better year, for that part of a year. <laughs> oh, oh man, shit. this is not good. No, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think if you knew how weird a lot of people in the scene still are, I think you'd be perfect. It's trust me, this will go over. No, no, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Though worried. I can't say it maybe will help the memes you wind up getting made about. I know, you. I know. That's the thing. That's the main thing I'm concerned about. That's fair. I've only seen these good memes. I, I mean, I think there's more good memes than bad memes. Put it that way. We should like be friends on, on. We'll be friends on Instagram, and you just send me the good ones, and then we can. Yeah, oh, you got a gang of we'll those. <laughs> got a gang um, of those. I think, uh, okay, yeah, this one's fine. So if mm. if you could rewrite one moment in punk history, what would it be in a line? Rewrite it? Yeah, like if you had a choice to be like, you know, let's move this chair to the left of Iggy Pop instead of the right or something like that, you know? <laughs> or maybe put a shirt on the guy. I don't know. Oh, please. I've got, I've, I, have, I have basically zero notes for Iggy Pop. I, um, who would I, let's see. Um, I know this is dead air. You guys are going to edit this, I assume, right? So, um, oh yeah, I do tons of editing. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then, let me tell. I'll take a second and try to think about it. Yeah. No. Yeah. You can moment, a moment in punk history. We're having one right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I could have said no <laughs> yeah. to this podcast, yeah. Yeah. I could have hit the lead. <laughs> But if I was a little more prepared, um, they had sent me the questions. No, no one ever, <laughs> no one ever fucking reads them. Jeez. The Rock. one time I do, uh, literally, this is the one know. time I don't send them. We have to change our business practices now. I don't know. I, I can't really think, I can't really think of like a moment in punk history that like bummed mm. me out so hard. Give me an example. What do some other people say? <laughs> bummed me. Oh, this is a one I wrote specially for you because you're such a piece of punk history in our world. Oh, 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 I got, oh, God. I mean, you don't Shit. have to come up with anything either. Or you could say, I don't know, maybe if you wanted the, the Connecticut crew to beat the Boston crew at that Marauder show. They won. They won. They, totally they did won. win? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was, they were in Connecticut. It was, a, it, it was a massive. Yeah, should be a yeah they must have had more, huh? Yeah. That's crazy. Massive. Uh, so that, that went that went great. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I mean, can't, I have I have a lot of I have a lot of personal regrets, so that that, that could pit, play into it. But uh, yeah, otherwise, I don't know. I can't. No, I can't really think of it. Yeah, that's fine. It's a great question, Elias. You should have sent him the questions list, dude. Yeah, no, that's maybe that's, he that's would have been more prepared. I actually, Rob, Rob, I'm the I'm the one who pushed back on Rob and be like, don't send him the question list. I want them to be unprepared. <laughs> no, I really, it's fine. <laughs> I, I like the question and I'm sure there is something. And when I, this podcast ends, I'm going to be like, oh, damn it. No, doubt. but off the top of my head, it's, uh, yeah, that's all right. Top. I got another one that usually stumps people that I usually try to wrap up with. Okay. If you could, now it doesn't have to be a material object, but if you could give the entire world a gift, what would it be and why? Man, <laughs> this is gonna sound so stupid, but I feel like I've read. I'm I'm 45 years old, and I would say the gift I would give everybody is to forgive yourself and be happy. That's a great gift, and no one has given us that answer yet. Yeah, that is. A it's, great gift. I know it's. I know it, I've been like glib the whole podcast, and it's weird to have like a sincere thing. But I I do. That's like. That's all anyone, every, everyone should just feel like a human being on earth and, and, and be happy. And, and that's all that matters as long as don't hurt anybody and be happy. And that's it. 
a fucking yeah. great answer. That is a great yeah. answer. Also, I, I will say, yeah. Screamo is definitely something that is recurrently <laughs> glib, but also very sincere in a lot of ways. So yeah, it, it, it tracks. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. I suppose. I tried uh, to. I tried to think, but I did. To be fair, I did try to think of a funny gift first, but I had to stretch. <laughs> That's okay. No, it's nice to end on such a such a wholesome note after we've had some <laughs> some history talk. We've had some laughs. You've had some regrets, such as saying yes to this podcast. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Oh, we were very happy to have you on. Yeah, yeah. We this is such a huge honor. I know you don't. Yeah, we're not trying to gas you up like just to gas you up. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is a very trippy experience for both of us. Like. Well, I, hopefully, hopefully this uh, brings it down to some sort of reality. <laughs> it, it did very much. Okay, good. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, um, so like we usually save the end of the podcast for, you know, you to give thank yous or like if there's like any causes you'd like to speak on or just like any shout outs you want to do or anything you want to plug. Um, this The space is completely yours to do so. Well, I thank you guys for having me on. Um, I, you know, <laughs> thank yous to, do you mean like, like people that I used to work with or like that? I mean, Honestly, <laughs> you can, you can thank your, your wife. You could thank uh, Krishna. I know that that was a thing for a while. Um, oh yeah. Think- yeah. <laughs> Billy Werner from Seisha was Krishna, by the way. Yeah. Fun fact. Um well, I, I'm I'm very thankful to I think I'm thankful to punk rock in general in the scene and um, uh, affording me these opportunities, even though most of those opportunities were sleeping next to somebody's dirty cat litter box on tour most <laughs> of the time. But uh, but it, it's I got to travel all over and stuff I'll never forget about. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a new uh, I have a new a series of singles coming out on DFA. First one's dropping in on January 11th. It's called oh, Jason Green and the. It's called Jason Green and the Jerk, um, and we're doing I think three singles and then a full length. Um, and so that's musically what I'm working on now. And uh, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks again. Yeah. This was this has been a blast. Super appreciate yeah, it. I had a lot of fun. I hope uh, hope you had a lot of fun as well. And uh, I did have fun. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for coming on, Jason. Yeah, of course. Thank you, guys.
I'll cut it. All down. right. <clears throat> oh fuck! All right, cool. <laughs> All right. S- sweating to death here. Yeah, my AC <laughs> off for that. Jason, seriously, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, yeah, no, of course. Thanks for thanks for having me. You guys are really you're you're fun fun dudes. It's a fun podcast, and uh, yeah, just you know, make me look good. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll do our best. We're gonna leave a lot of the dead air in, actually. Now, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, I added almost as an as an ode to Will Killingsworth. Yeah, exactly. Oh well, shit! Gonna, Look at that pun. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. Nice. A little wordplay. A little wordplay. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there's anything you want us to like take out or anything after the fact, just let us know, and you know, we can. I mean, I can't. It. You know, I think I I'm not too worried about it. Stop telling people that, uh, Elias. God damn it! I am not going to stop telling people that. I'm not, not worried. I'm not. I want people to come back. Yeah, no, but no, I no, like no, keeping I, shit I, raw. I don't like to edit shit, right? Yeah, I'm not worried. I'm, I don't think I said anything. Uh, anything that's going to get me canceled. So I'm no, no, God, I don't no, think you said God, anything no. on Twitter. <clears throat> um, I did. I did want to ask you because for the podcast, we want to we do like a cover and then we do like an audio highlight. I was hoping you could send us like at least two pictures to choose from for that. Yeah, I assume you want like an orchid picture, probably, and then like a, maybe a new and a new picture. Like that's probably the vibe, I would guess. You could just send us like a skull split meme for the first one. That'd be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I should. You know what? I'll send you. I have this. No. I have this no, horrible I... meme. I'll send it no, to you. No, you no, can no. Use it for a photo. No, like a picture of you. You know what? Can I? Can we, I just say before we go? Honestly, <laughs> yeah. the thing that drives me the most crazy about it is that people will look at my fucking Instagram account and it's like some story i post as a joke and they'll screenshot it and then they'll make a meme out of it there's no and then it just lives and it lives forever that's anyway, fucking weird so that i'll is... send you uh i'll send you uh i'll send you some choice memes and i'll send you some good pictures and then we can yeah i just wanted like one of time frame live or something like i don't yeah. know doing vocals or stand up whatever the fuck and then one with the band it doesn't matter yeah but I just, just you like holding a mic for yeah like i said stand up Panthers, uh, you know, you doing stuff with Vice if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no problem. I can send you a couple. But do you guys okay. have a time frame and when you want that? I mean, ASAP is always preferred because I know we got <laughs> we got another pod or two. We got another pod or two to uh uh edit up. And okay. by we I mean myself. And then I was thinking rolling you out for episode hundred because I think we're at like ninety seven or eight by now. Yeah. Okay. So um, it can but it can wait it can wait till like maybe tomorrow. Oh, dude. Uh, I don't know, Jason. I don't know if that's going to work for us. It's like 10.30 here. Well, you're on my time. You understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have until midnight where I'm making fucking memes out of the screenshots I took during the Zoom meeting. <laughs> this, is my, this is my bedtime, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm, um, saying, I'm tired. <laughs>